This is a HeadGum Podcast. The discussions on Robot Congress are for entertainment purposes and to help correct random people on the internet. Any law discussed is general commentary only and not to be taken as legal advice. Specific facts will always alter the case. Have a problem? Hit the gym and lawyer up. Hello and welcome to Robot Congress. I am Ryan Morrison, joined by my law firm partner, Allison Rothman, and my life partner, Austin Hoffman. Say yes. hello, friends. That is I, Austin Hoffman. I thought I was Austin Hoffman. I'm so glad to have you guys back on the show because I was very worried about you. You have recently survived a terrible hurricane. And once survived, Allie decided to get on a plane and come somewhere safer. And as she landed in California, we had 34 earthquakes within 12 hours and (laughs) half of the state is on fire. I was literally on the phone with one of our associates the other day and the desk just starts shaking. Just shaking. (laughs) I was woken up by one massive earthquake at, what was it, 2.30 in the morning? Because I am from New York. I don't like when the earth moves. I don't get, I'm not down with that. I don't handle it well. Although there's roll, there, what are, they're rollers and shakers are what they're called, right, Allie? You're asking the wrong one. I'm not from here either. I know, but you know things that I don't know. But yeah, so they're, they're but they at least feel that way since I've been here for about Movers three years. Shakers. So rollers are like a rolling pin going over spaghetti dough. Wait, spaghetti dough. You know, everyone's favorite Italian base, spaghetti dough. And shakers are like shaking pepper out of a pepper shaker on top of your delicious spaghetti pizza. Exactly right, Austin. But but jokes aside, I you there are rollers and shakers is what I'm going to call them. The rollers really feel like you're on a waterbed. It feels like the whole world's just swaying, and it's super soothing and relaxing. That's yeah, kind of nice. It's like when you're on a cruise ship. It is. Like, it fe- you sleep really well because you're just kind of floating back and forth. It, it feels like <laughs> I'm back. I'm back being rocked to sleep as a newborn baby. You really the make shakers, you want to on the other hand are like if Pantera runs in your bedroom and starts beating you over the head with their electric guitar. It is the worst, scariest thing. You, the whole Earth is just literally jutting back and forth in the most jagged fashion and that's what we had for at least the first time that i've been in la well, since that's i moved what you here in the movies too like no movie ever shows a roller because rollers no. are not exciting exactly but the rollers are great i mean if there was just rollers out here la would be even more populated because it's so awesome <laughs> uh also another thing about rollers it's also what they call everyone out in la is like oh don't worry your building's a newer one it's on rollers and i still don't know what that means in my head the, the foundation of the building is on wheels that sway back and forth. <laughs> and I think that's actually what it is. And it keeps the buildings up during an earthquake. But it's that's not comforting. We work on the 25th floor of, a, of an office building. And the landlord, when we looked at the office, said verbatim, just so you know, this is the lowest floor that you can safely parachute off. So if you want to get parachutes, it's okay. That's not really? something to tell tenants as they're looking at a 25th floor building in Earthquake Central. I still don't know how I would feel about my building being on rollers. I mean, it, you only have, what, like four of those little metal wheels that you put on those Ikea shelves, and that's what's holding the building up? That's got to be it. That's all it is. I, I picture it, yeah, exactly that is like what you see under a bed, like a bed frame. Those four wheels just under a building swaying <laughs> back and forth. Don't, don't worry, it's on rollers. Yeah, exactly. So that is terrifying, uh, but... After that that terrible earthquake at 2.30 in the morning, there was literally 31 follow-up earthquakes within 12 hours, but many ones. 
Although that's not comforting because as the next one happens and the next one happens and the next one happens, oh my God. the Twitter scientists start talking about the big one, which we're due for apparently out here. Uh, so that's fun. But you guys had arguably something worse because this earthquake, despite it being a little scary, it didn't cause any damage I'm aware of. You know, yes, it woke me up, but it didn't knock my books off the shelf or anything like that. Back in New York, though, and most of the East Coast, you guys dealt with a terrible hurricane. What was the name? Isaiah. 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 Okay. Well, so the last hurricane I was in New York for was Sandy, which was terrible. Uh, my dad lost his business over it. There was terrible damage on the East Coast, uh, all up and down. It but also was- poisoned the water clear, Sandy was, I think, was actually a hurricane when it hit New York, and the storm surge is what really caused damage. Isaiah yeah. was just like a tropical I'm storm. Not, yeah, I'm not going to be a real hurricane, but I'm going to come in. And, and wreck all the power destroy lines. all of your power. Yeah, all of your trees and your power lines. Well, because so, that's the thing is on Long Island, we still have above ground power lines everywhere. And yeah, it, it's it's messed up. It are you I, insinuating I, most of the country does not have above line above ground power lines? That most oh, people oh, are fiber optic at this point. Or a lot of <laughs> a lot of places have below ground power lines because they're safer and they're better long term. I did not know that. That's actually very interesting. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so I still have trees in my yard and I'm get, guess how much it costs to have them removed. Thousands of dollars. Yeah, no, I, I saw the pictures. I cannot uh, fathom how much damage and how much people had to spend to fix things because that's what people don't think about. Yes, there's insurance. But if a tree falls down in the street and smashes your car, what happens there? Is it your car insurance? Is it your homeowner's insurance? Does the state take care of it? Does your city take care of it? And that's what I wanted to get into a bit on this episode today. Who's in charge of Mother Nature? I mean, like, it's so out of control in so many ways, but for so many reasons. And I actually have have studied up on hurricanes pretty extensively because I used to live in Miami, too. Like, but there actually is a rhyme and a reason for why these things happen. And it's really interesting when you get down to the science of it. Well, Ali, don't tease us. I was going to get into government programs, but I'm actually, I actually am curious. I understand it's just hot wind and cold wind, but that's probably not true. No, 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 no. So actually, it, it really is super interesting. So because I went to the University of Miami, they actually had a class taught by the people who run the National Hurricane Center. Like the ones who actually fly into the oh, eye wow. of the storm type of thing. That's official. Yeah, so it was it was a super cool class. I had nothing to do with science, but it was my <laughs> science requirement. So I took this class. Yeah, I'll teach you the long and short of how hurricanes come to exist in 14 seconds. So here's how it happens. Starts in Africa. El Nino winds, brings it across the ocean, forms low pressure in the water, starts a spiral in the air, and that low pressure causes a massive, massive, massive storm that causes lots of damage to everybody. That's that it. is... That, wow. I, it's so simple, but so interesting. And it is like I you never really stop and think about why it hits Connecticut way differently than it hits New York. And because of the wind patterns bringing in different areas, uh, I don't want to turn into Trump giving a speech on windmills. But, you know, I, I admittedly don't know anything about science. I trust the scientists. Well, it's not it's, the wind, though. It's pressure and temperature. So like the warmer and lower pressure it is, the stronger the storm. The tighter is, the eye and the stronger the storm. So you guys have grown up in New York, as did I, but I wasn't here for this. Was this storm worse than any other you've been alive for? No. No, no, no. no. It honestly wasn't so bad. There were just some gusts of pretty bad wind, which is what caused all the damage. It, I mean, it, yeah, like the, the damage was really crappy, but we actually, um, like a week ago, had a tree that was hanging over the house taken down. 
And if that tree was still up, it would have come down on the house. And one of my neighbors has a big hole in their ceiling because they had a tree come down on their house. Uh, it's it's pretty terrible. Besides all the poles and power lines and losing internet and all that kind of stuff. And well, I, yeah. I, so we lost we lost power for probably a, almost a full twenty four hours, and not only power, but like cell phone towers were down too. So I had no service, no nothing. It was like oh, yeah. the stone ages. With yeah, my family. I, I got a text from Allie at like 7 p.m. She had driven like four miles to get reception somewhere. And it was just, I can't read anything. Nothing's getting done today. Leave me alone. So. And our, and like the, the officials here, like the power company had no plan. It was no terrible. The, yeah. The, um, like like the, the, the government and like the highway, like the having trees cleared from the roads, they actually have a website and like they have a queue. You can sub- say, hey, there's a tree blocking like this street. But the power company... They had nothing. You just had to call a phone number and you kept getting a busy signal and they would, ha- and it just hung up on you. What so is it- the power company, Austin? Cause, cause when I lived there, there was oh, a power no. company, LIPA, that yep. got shut down for not handling Sandy well. Sandy. Yeah. And, that's and right. This, this new company came in and now they, they couldn't yep. even handle this storm well. So, but so, us- was, so was ours. And I don't live near where Austin is. Um, so we have this separate power company, but oh, same got- thing. They were not oh, well, able to handle it. We have ONR, it's Orange and Rockland. Oh, wow. No, we have PSEG. Uh, and yeah, I, I guess, I don't know, is no power company prepared? Well, I get part of, part of the problem is because we have so many above ground power lines. They're all incompetent. Well, uh, and this program is bought, brought to you by generators. Yeah. Get your own power. <laughs> well, so that was the best thing was walking around the neighborhood and seeing who had generators and yeah. who didn't. Who's, I was like, can I please just use your internet for a minute, please? Yeah, my, my, dad, my dad's house has a generator, but he didn't lose power. I I did. That sucked. And I ha- I was only without power for, I don't know, a few hours. But a tree fell onto the line that connects the my house to the, uh, to the street. And it was only caught by another tree. You have to tweet this picture out, Austin, because it was terrifying. You sent it to me. There's literally a giant tree sitting on power lines. And it sat there for days. The power yeah. company did not care. No, well, they didn't have a method of contacting them. I have something scarier. The next day after this storm, I'm going for a walk. Uh, There's a pretty little lake, a town over. We have Uh to drive over a reservoir to get there. And it's a really pretty drive. It's, you know, it's not long, but it's a really pretty drive driving over the reservoir. But alongside the reservoir, right along the water, is a strip of, of poles and power lines. Okay. Every it was like a domino effect. The, oh. the street was closed because all of the power lines fell over towards the water. And people were without power here for a week. It so I mean, besides the the terrible, you know, like inconvenience of not having something to charge your phone, etc., people like lost hundreds of dollars of food. Uh it you know, like because your fridge and your freezer die, there's nothing to keep them powered, and that's only gonna be good for like a day, if that. Luckily, the day of the storm it wasn't that hot out. So without air condition, like you weren't dying, but shortly after there was a heat wave. So if you didn't have power days <laughs> later, like it was rough. One of my best friends is, who lives right by where Allie lives is uh, his wife is eight months and three and a half weeks pregnant and they lost power. And he was really concerned that the hospitals wouldn't be there. If the roads weren't cleared to get in if she was uh, went into labor and he didn't have anything to to he didn't have a generator or anything. So he was going over a neighbor's house. He doesn't know that did have a generator and they let him just plug in his phone to get updates and things like that. So he charged uh, there. 
I was charging in the car. Luckily for car chargers now. But yes. That was the only place to get power. You just have to use the gas of the car to charge your so, phone. So, you know, the California laughed a little bit at our old friends back in New York. Ha ha, you don't have power. Isn't that funny? We're, we're playing extra video games tonight. Uh, and then, like I said, we were hit by a crazy amount of a disgusting heat wave, incredible amount of fires and earthquakes nonstop. So we got ours. And somebody now, pissed off Zeus, right? Because you yeah. had a quote unquote, a siege of lightning strikes, like a we, record number of lightning strikes starting wildfires. We had more lightning strikes than in recent memory, uh, strike and start forest fires all throughout California, Northern California, mostly, although we certainly have our fair share down here also. Uh, but it's, it's terrifying. I mean, the earth is pissed. We've, we've outstayed our welcome. Uh, and that that's showing with global warming and everything else that's triggered by, you know, these events have to be triggered and related in many ways. Uh, we, we are certainly seeing more of, of every kind of disaster as we get older. Uh, but it's interesting because you said if that tree came and went through your house, what would have happened? Allie, I mean, you're, all those power lines went down by you. What if they come through your window? You know, there's there's serious issues and serious problems here. Going back to Sandy, which was the storm that happened probably a decade ago, 15 years ago. God, we're getting old. Uh, <laughs> you know, my dad ran a business, uh, a mechanic shop in Long Beach, New York, which is right on the coast there. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. And Sandy flooded basically up to his shop. Everything in the town was destroyed. The town was in ruins. Everything was destroyed. And a lot of people did not know what to do. I wasn't even sure what to do with the tree hanging on my power lines because when I called up PSEG, they're like, mm, that's on your property. That's going to be your own problem. You're going to have to pay and take care of that. Then I explained, so what happens when the power lines get taken down by the tree? You guys are going to have to come repair them. And so they sent some contractors to come and take care of the tree. See you out. You lawyered them. All right. The tree is my fault and my property. Okay, fair. Power lines are yours, so I'm just going to go out there with hedge clippers and chop them if you won't come get this tree. <laughs> uh, no, but in all seriousness, so Long Beach is destroyed during Sandy, and all of the property damage is there, and people, most, almost everyone lost their car. My dad ran a mechanic shop, and I cannot tell you the, the months and months of wait list of everyone trying to get their car fixed and who took care of those repairs, who took care of that damage. Most car insurance does not cover this stuff, and most people don't have full coverage. So my dad's running this mechanic shop and everyone knows this term, but it's become very politicized if you're in favor or against them. Since New Orleans uh, with the levees, they've been a target or people's heroes. FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, is one of the, not, not one of, it is the agency in charge of handling natural disasters. However, there's a lot of ancillary groups as well. FEMA Hurricane Assistance is the most common program people know about. It has an expansive number of resources and federal disaster relief and disaster assistance programs to help people who have been affected by hurricanes or other natural disasters. What they are known for is probably showing up boots on the ground support for events like floods and wildfires where oh, they yeah. can help. Yeah, they help set up camps. They help find people places to stay. Famously, they did it with, in New Orleans when the levees broke with the Saints Stadium did not go well. It was handled very terribly, but they they were in charge of setting up that stadium and making it a, a, a place for relief. When you uh, think of FEMA, that's what you think of. You think of the boots on the ground kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what FEMA actually pr does well, or at least better, in my opinion, based on experience with them, uh, is giving you cash. So what they would do is if your car you was real money, <laughs> it's my money and I want it now. Uh, but if there, if your car was destroyed in Sandy, and I imagine in that similar conversations are happening with this hurricane, 
if your car was destroyed, they would pay for it to be repaired, whether it was totaled and they'd give you a check for a new one. Or at my dad's shop, he was getting check after check from FEMA to, re to do basic repairs to these cars that had severe water damage. If they were on streets that got flooded or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of long-term damage that happens. I won't bore you guys with car talk, but it, it, that that is what FEMA did and is is you know in charge of. The other things people don't normally know about or think about is uh, are the other agencies and programs that handle this stuff, but also where you can get some benefits. I figured that if you got screwed over like your personal property by a natural disaster and your insurance company wasn't going to cover it, that you're just screwed. I didn't realize that you had a government agency that you could go to and like get covered. Yeah. And, and that's exactly why it was created, because there was in 1979, good old Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter invented FEMA through an executive order to help with this, to make natural disasters part of what the executive branch of the government will assist with. But it was not for hurricanes and, and what you would imagine. It was actually created uh, to help with the dumping of toxic waste in Niagara Falls. That's oh, one of the what? first things. Yeah, FEMA, FEMA, that was one of the first things FEMA responded to was the uh, dumping of toxic waste in Niagara Falls, helping clean it up. They also uh, responded to Three Mile Island nuclear accident, where the nuclear generating station there suffered a partial core meltdown, which we don't really talk about in America, but we, almost, all. Had, we almost had our own Chernobyl on Long Island. And, you know, FEMA responded to that and helped with that. These disasters, while, while showing the agency could function, also showed that it was completely Necessary? inefficient no, no completely inefficient and it didn't really ever get off the ground and do what it was supposed to do until bill clinton took over in 19, you know 1993 years 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 later uh and that agency was elevated to a cabinet rank which for those who don't know that means that now you have a real seat at the table oh they just didn't have the authority or the resources to deal with the issues before that well, it's not that they don't have the authorities and the resources. It's that they didn't really have a way to ask or get what they needed. So getting to a cabinet level seat means at when the president meets with his cabinet, which is the top level advisors in the country, that someone at that table is talking about natural disasters. And that's really important to Democrats because George Bush came in and canceled that cabinet seat. It was re-put in by Obama and canceled again by Trump. So, wow. so yeah, that's a it's a seat. FEMA is a very partisan issue. And, and what year was New Orleans? Yeah, it's actually really interesting because those two, the two biggest natural disasters, two hurricanes, Wilma and then Katrina, that FEMA's I probably most famous for botching, um, which were done or was done under under Bush's administration, was oh. my freshman year of college, right when I got down to Miami. And so my first Wow, semester, that's a good welcome. Yeah, my first semester at school, school was closed for a large portion of time. Um, actually, Katrina, we, we all know, did some major, major damage in New Orleans, but Wilma was actually much worse in Miami than Katrina was. And, um, and so there was a ton of damage. I'll never forget. I had to sign a waiver. I had to sign my life away in order to leave the dorms that night. Um, oh, because Allie's new at college in Miami. She, that Wilma or no, she's going out partying. I, I was literally just trying to go to the other dorm and I was like, I was like, Oh, big deal. It's a hurricane, right? I'm from New York. Like whatever. I'm going to sign this waiver. So I sign this waiver. I step out the front door and I'm like, I'm like trying to walk as hard as I can. And I'm just not getting anywhere. Cause the wind is so strong. It's like oh my pushing me backwards. I mean, I, like, Allie, okay, I, I get it. I have a memory as a kid. There was either a hurricane or a tropical storm. I was like, I was less than like 10 years old. I remember being lifted up by the wind a little bit. And that is, that is 
that has stuck with me for like my whole life. It's and meanwhile, Allie's in freshman year, you know, the sideways like Marmaduke cartoon just getting blown down the street. Literally. <laughs> and then we actually got a lot of because uh because we're so close to Tulane in New Orleans after Katrina, we actually had a lot of Tulane students come spend some time temporarily at Miami while they were rebuilding. So it was a it was a pretty weird time my freshman year of college. But and um, and listen, that's why it's interesting because again, FEMA was an independent agency in charge of its own resources, in charge of its own things up until 1993. It was created in 79 up until 1993. It wasn't working well. It just it, it existed, it just wasn't working well. Clinton really empowered it. Clinton, like I said, they put the head of FEMA in his cabinet. They were given a lot of resources, they were able to ask for what they needed. They handled amazing things during that that time some of the worst thing that's happened in in the world they helped yeah, you just don't hear about the successes well of course not but they also helped internationally i mean we could do a whole episode on the sarin gas attacks in the tokyo subway down uh, done by the, the the cult whose name i forget uh but one of the deadliest you know internal or domestic terrorism events japan's ever seen the cult of om shinrikyo I can't believe that just came into my mind. But yes, the cult of Om Shinrikyo did the sarin gas attack in Tokyo in 1995. FEMA helped there. FEMA reached out and and helped. FEMA was, again, removed from the cabinet by Bush in, in 2003 and even taken away as its own agency. So when Wilma happened, Ali, when Katrina happened, FEMA was part of the Department of Homeland Security. They were no longer their own anything. And as a result, they they at least blame upwards they say they couldn't get the resources they need they didn't have the money the manpower or anything fun fact at the time my freshman year of college the president of my university was donna shalala the former head of health and human services under president clinton would you guys ever fly into the eye of the storm yeah no you wouldn't you hate turbulence i i i really think i'm over it uh are you asking if i would pilot a a plane into the eye of the storm i mean you wouldn't have to pilot it would you be a passenger in a plane into the eye of a storm i would feel more comfortable piloting it (laughs) i'm not kidding i want to be in control of my own fate if it's going to happen right but what if you're completely incompetent in that factor (laughs) but if you don't know how to fly well are you asking get on arrival are you asking like oh god we have to fly into this eye right now make a decision or are you asking like in six months you have you you can prepare and do this yeah because i would i'm saying in six like would you be interested in Flying into the eye of a storm. Yes, but I would want to get my pilot's license and fly it. Aren't you being interested? Wait, is that... Okay, I'm, I, I don't understand. Are you asking, like, because aren't you going to die, maybe? No, you don't have to die to fly into the eye of a storm. In fact, you're kind of bad at flying if you die. You just have to, like, be able to really withstand turbulence, which yeah. Ryan can't. I can now. I got better at it. I used to hate flying, even without turbulence. I would sit up there and I would just spiral out of control in my mind, like... What if one bolt falls off that wing? Why? What? Who put this together? I want to know his name. Who's the pilot? How many <laughs> flights has he had? Is this his last flight? Is he old? Is he thinking? Is, are the machines doing this? Like I used to spiral out of control up there, but now I'm up there just like watching Coco for the ninth time in crazy turbulence, just they enjoying don't it. Have TVs on these planes? Just well, just I'll be flying, up. so I'll be busy. What planes are we talking the about? Planes that go into the eye of the. Oh, storm. okay. All right. So I'm not aware. They don't take commercial so, airliners into the eye of the storm. Right. right. Not like this is what I was trying there. to understand. I had no context for this. It's not like, like you take a layover fly into the eye of the storm. Like, yeah. well, I, one, I'm not the pilot. Two, if I'm on the flight, I don't really have a choice. If that's <laughs> what they're going to do, I, I, I'm, I'm just along for the ride. So would I do okay, it? I, I guess okay. if I was on the plane, yeah, I wouldn't be jumping out. 
Okay, I'll, I'll reset the foundation here. There's people who study storms and like the weather people, for example, who need to know what's going on. They literally fly through oh. the eye wall into the eye wow. of the storm where they test the pressure. That's how they know okay. how much pressure is currently what? in the storm, how they determine where the track is going to go. Uh-huh. It's how they determine whether it's going to strengthen or weaken. And so there's people that do this for like educational purposes. And they're still alive. So. There's also people who do it for adrenaline reasons. It's I'm sure it is a fun thing to do. I don't think it's like chasing tornadoes. I don't oh, think it's that you don't kind think of thing. I, I don't do. think people just take their plane and they're like, well, let's go. No, I bet you have to get cleared in a bunch of other stuff, but I bet they're What's your flight plan? Oh, I plan on flying into the eye of the storm. Exactly. I actually think you can do that, just like you said, tornado chasers or I because I would fly into the eye of the storm for sure, but I would not skydive. That's where I'm at. Google videos of of flights into the eye of the storm and then tell me you're going to withstand that turbulence. I would do it. I don't care if it's a little turbulence or a lot of turbulence. It's turbulence and I can handle it now. I read I read one thing on like an in-flight magazine that no plane has ever come down due to turbulence. And that was enough for me. Now I I'm not, told you that. Allie told, I didn't read it in a magazine. Allie told me it, I guess. <laughs> but I, I don't care now. I've, I'm over it officially. Well, like, that's a fascinating uh, factoid would be that no plane has gone down due to turbulence. That would also make me feel very differently because I can't tell you how many times I've thought about that one episode of King of the Hill where Peggy's parachute doesn't work and she falls into a mud field and is paralyzed. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yep. Uh, but for all our listeners out there, if any of you tweet me evidence that a plane went down because of turbulence just to try to ruin my life. Please don't do that. I don't want to know. The only thing that happens in turbulence is the plane's not going to go down. You're just going to slam your head against the ceiling and die. That's fine. I got a, I got a thick head. Or what if you're strapped in to a seatbelt? That's why you better wear your seatbelt when you're in flight. And I'm, I'm flying this plane. So I'll get you to there. If you guys want to go right now, I can get, get us in the eye of the storm. Honestly, flying is about believing in yourself. I don't need to know what all the levers do. I need to have confidence. This isn't Space Jam. It literally is, though. It's like Dumbo. Like, I, the feather was inside of me all along. I can fly a plane, Allie. It's you not that try hard. You it outside your window right now. And Dumbo had the power to fly himself. You need a machine that you have to understand how to operate. I don't think you need to understand how to fly a plane. I bet if I got in a plane, I could take off with, like, minimal mess-ups. All right, that's fair. I, uh, yeah, sure. You know, you hit that autopilot button, it just takes you wherever you well, want to go. Well, there's, yeah, like 98% of those buttons are like for worst case scenarios, and I'll roll the dice on those. I'm pretty sure they're for aesthetics only. It, that's exactly right. Like, it's just there to impress the flight attendants. Like, yeah, no big deal. Look how many <laughs> buttons we have. It's yeah, like, let me flip these one at Disney World. Like, <laughs> those buttons don't do anything, they just look. <laughs> Allie and I went on that that uh, Han Solo ride, and and yeah, there's ten thousand buttons, but I'm I'm hitting them all. I'm having so much fun, and Allie just figured out that if you just hold the middle button, it just auto fires and ruined the whole ride for me. Chewie, lock down that hyperspace reactor. Ryan's like, sweating okay. after the ride, like after just constantly banging this button as fast as he possibly can. Oh my god. I, I'm like reliving like seven year old me. Like I'm flying the Millennium Falcon, and now he's like Ryan. Just you got it. You can just hold this. You just hold down the button, and it does it all automatically. No, it ruined my ruined the whole like, day. And then oh, I was watching like that old Star. Uh, it's like that old Star Wars pilot game where you would go through like Yavin and the Death Star and all the different places. It was so cool. Yeah, we don't have to get Millennium Falcon into the Eye of the Storm. 
I would absolutely fly it into anything because it can do the parse. It doesn't matter. But I, <laughs> this was the first time I ever went to the new Star Wars place too. And I went with Allie who hates Star Wars and fun and happy. So she's walking around like, that looks fake. Is that R2D? Every droid, is that R2D? Oh my God. <laughs> experience. I was like, but, is this it? Really? This is it? So excited about? Everything was so cool. And Allie's like, is that also R2D2? Why is R2D2 talking to R2T2? And meanwhile, it's like, it, I'm not getting into it. It doesn't matter. I'm not reliving that thing. <laughs> yes. Allie learned to speak right while she was there. Oh, it does. <laughs> uh, but long story short, that's what FEMA is. <laughs> I thought FEMA was the bone in your leg. That's a FEMA. It's not a FEMA. That's how New Yorkers say the bone in your leg. Yeah, it's true. FEMA. It's not a FEMA. That's how my mom would say it. To bring this all home, though, FEMA and just our government in general are under fire for how they're handling natural disasters going forward, but also the pandemic we're dealing with. So FEMA is supposed to be who's helping handle this the COVID response because we got rid of our pandemic team. So that has now fallen to FEMA. You give me FEMA, FEMA in the morning. In April, the LA Times reported that our uh, federal administration, the Trump administration, was seizing medical supplies from states and hospitals, which is crazy. The officials stated that the administration uh, had not informed them on how they could get access to ordered supplies. A representative from FEMA said that the agency under the Department of Health and Human Services and the Department of Defense had developed a system for, set, for for figuring out who needed supplies and distributing them equitably. Yeah, so basically FEMA said, hey, California, hey, other state, like, cool, uh, give me all your medical supplies. Oh, we're gonna, we're gonna reduce them. them. So our, again, our very Republican conservative government uh, went the route of communism and decided to redistribute the wealth here. They seized... Uh, an order of thermometers from Florida. They seized an order of masks for the Texas Association of Community Health Centers and an order for testing supplies meant for the Peace Health Hospital System in Washington, Oregon, and Alaska. So basically, they're taking all these supplies and and honestly doing God knows what with them, as we've seen. The response has not been great. Uh, and it's it's created a lot of really interesting legal battles, too, which we might do a whole other episode on COVID and, and its response. But Ali, what we're seeing the most of at the law firm and elsewhere is the force majeure clause, which many people don't know that exists or what that is. Walk us through that. Literally just spent the weekend walking my friend through this as she renegotiates all of her wedding contracts since her wedding was canceled. Oh, that's so sad. Um, but yeah, most people probably don't realize this is in most of their contracts. I, in fact, if you have a contract that doesn't have it in it, there's something wrong with it. But there's something called the force majeure clause, which basically says that the contract, nobody's liable for not performing their duties if they can't do it because they're they're physically incapable due to like a natural disaster or like just an act of God. Like they literally, they're God. Yeah. They, they put in acts of rebellion or governments falling in the same clause as a pandemic or natural disaster. Force majeure is actually Latin for ah, crap. <laughs> well, it's like literally if you're supposed to say, for example, you're supposed to host an event or you're a football team and you're supposed to play at MetLife Stadium, but a hurricane, a natural disaster, like we've just spoken about, comes through and destroys the stadium and you physically can't have that game, that would fall under this sort of clause. Okay, so, like, so you're you not obligated. Trouble. Yeah, you wouldn't be in trouble if you can't have the game. So th- so you're not going to be forced to play football on a 
on a field that's littered with stands and broken beams and all that kind of stuff. Well, you didn't let her finish because now that football team has to join you on the plane going to the eye of the storm. (laughs) Anyway, so now the big thing is, does the pandemic and COVID fall under this clause? You know, for all of the things that have fallen through over the past few months because of the coronavirus and because nobody can go out and do what they planned on doing. You know, there's tons of contracts that are falling through and it's like, does COVID count? Do you get out of this contract? Oh, clause because COVID has prevented you from doing these things. And it's currently in the process of being litigated in, in many jurisdictions right now. Yeah, it's really interesting, too, because the reason it is not, I think if you asked any person on the street, hey, does this count as a natural disaster or an act of God that prevented you from completing a contract? You'd say, yeah, of course. However, our president has not declared this properly since the beginning. Uh, He forced the decision down to state cities while tweeting out, liberate Minnesota and things like that as places we're trying to close down. So that creates a legal argument that, hey, you didn't have to close down. This isn't the, this isn't due to COVID. The president himself said that we didn't have a problem. And we still don't. You know, it, as long as we're testing, we have we're doing everything we can. But look at GDC, the Game Developers Conference, something that everyone who listens to this has probably attended or knows about. Uh, the Game Developer Conference is one of the first events to fall due to COVID. They really tried to keep it open. They really tried to make sure it was going to still happen. It was in March of this year and it it didn't obviously. And all of those vendors, I mean, Ali and I were, were in a really tough spot. We were, we host a party every year there and we had to argue force majeure to get out of our venue contract. Uh, and you know, it's, it, thank God our venue is awesome. We'll be there next year. And they, they took great care of us, but I don't think everyone's so lucky GDC itself, probably, I cannot imagine how many contracts they had, which, you know, everyone insulted them and, and, and crapped on them for trying to do GDC summer and postpone to August. I would imagine that's because they had a lot of clauses or negotiations or settlements that said, fine, but you have to use this stuff within six months. So they pushed oh. out as far as they could. However, again, this country didn't shut down. Half of the populace doesn't believe in masks. And we're, we have another year of this minimum. Uh, so, you know, there's there's uh, you know, those events are not getting out of it. However, I think the argument that this is now out of our hands and this is an act of God is a clearer one. You know, Ali, in your professional opinion, do you think these force majeure arguments are going to win? I think they're only getting stronger and stronger. Like you said, you know, like I, I think it's going to be a fine line on whether people just, you know, were dropping out of these contracts because they didn't feel comfortable. Or was it because your particular government actually banned you from doing it? Like if you're a restaurant, you can't serve you can't serve food indoors right now in California still. Um, or again, to just use as an example, one of my best friends who was supposed to get married in October and. Like, you know, her venue is just not hosting events. They're not allowed to because of government mandate. So it's not like they're choosing not to do it because, you know, it's just their own executive decision not to, which is happening frequently. But they're not doing it because they're they're literally banned by their government from doing it. And that's what's heartbreaking. All the states and towns and cities that did not shut down and they're forcing these brides or whoever to make these decisions. Do you want to murder your family or do you want to cancel the event because we're going to be open? Ha ha. They're probably stuck paying this because the, the force majeure clause is not as strong for them because the venues are open. Uh, so it's it's heartbreaking to see. And it's it's really uh, a, a nightmare throughout the country. And, and you know, again, FEMA is not who should be handling this. But a lot of it fell to and got stuck with FEMA because we got rid of our pandemic response team and everything else. So FEMA is the one collecting a lot of these supplies and doing everything else, while at the same time, you know, 
supposedly helping with these forest fires, helping with the earthquake damage, helping with the hurricanes, helping with the plethora of other just disasters as the world falls apart. Uh, I don't envy the people running FEMA trying to make it work because I imagine the people who get into environmental disaster relief and who are in those programs are genuinely some of the best people in government that are there for the right reasons. Yeah, however, yeah, however, the people put in charge of it up top are oftentimes that's the cushy job. They're the corrupt one that just got any kind of seat in government. Uh, and that's really unfortunate to see. It's like Betsy Devos running education when she hates kids and learning. You know, it's 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 a terrible thing. But that's all right. Everyone, thanks for listening. Love you all. <laughs> Leave it on a positive <laughs> note. Yeah. Yeah. No, listen, hey, it's a brighter tomorrow, right? It can't possibly get worse than this, right? You can't guys? say that. You're not allowed to say that. <laughs> Thank you all for playing. Thank you and good night. Good night. That was a headgum podcast.